Welcome, everyone, to an all-new episode of The Comic Multiverse, where the worlds of nerd meet. And once again, Matt, I didn't know what freaking intro I was doing there. We're doing two podcasts back-to-back. <laughs> I got no idea what's going on. No idea. Well, well, at least you didn't stroke out this time. Yeah, yeah. That's a reference to the new episode of KTV, which you can find over on the Weekly Pull Channel, in case you wondered where it was. You can also download it on Podbean, pluggy, pluggy, pimpy, pimpy. <laughs> For everyone out there. Uh, yes, everyone, we're back for another episode. We're actually going to play this one a little differently because, again, I'm under the gun for time to finish everything for this week. Matt and I have been super busy this week, but I figured uh, as a nice little reward to everyone because we, we're pretty much at a milestone now, you know, 40, 44 episodes, that's something. We might as well do some uh, questions from the fans in lieu of what we read this week. And in fact, there's a lot of really good questions from fans that I'm sure will spur much good discussion from Matt and myself. Wouldn't you agree? I do agree. The questions were actually really great and really on topic this time. We have a great set of fans, Joel said, playing up to his own audience. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I mean, everyone knows it, but no one says it. Uh, I I guess, too, because we just kind of hopped right on into it. How, How are you doing, Matt? How's your week been? Been pretty busy, been pretty busy, but um, been pretty pretty good so far. I've been um playing my my way through Resident Evil Seven, mm-hmm, you sure um, have. which has just been pretty cool, and I've been enjoying that. I've, I've been doing it in the way that I only play whenever I do my let's play, so I'm not blowing through it in an afternoon. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I've, I've been wherever the, I am, yeah. I said I've been watching you play, and I've been watching the two best friends play it. Yeah, yeah. It's been a lot of fun. It's a great game. I, I didn't watch your last video there. Have you gotten to the part yet where uh, a crazy redneck tries to murder you with a car? Uh, I Yes, I, I, I fought uh, the Jack Baker in the garage, and that was a lot of fun. <laughs> uh, I like that. And the, my, my most recent part is I you have to escape from his wife, Marjorie, oh, uh, through the house, which is, which is intense because... Um, you can't fight her or anything. You've just got to hide and escape and everything, and it's it's great. The Bakers are such great designs for villains. I love that Resident Evil has been like, you know what, zombies are fine, but you know what else is scary? Fucking cannibal rednecks. Well, that that's the thing. Like, I I kind of got the end spoiled for me. There's still parts I don't know about, but I know it actually does link back into uh, the zombie viruses and everything. That's cool. That's cool. It looks in a, a lot real, of fun. In a really cool way as well. I, I, I found out a really cool way it does. Yeah, I, I'm saving my money for my Seattle trip coming up very soon, but once once I do get back and once I have money to spend, I want to get that, and I really want to get Yakuza 0 is what I want. I've been thinking about getting that. I don't know whether I will yet, because I've got a bunch of games I need to finish. <laughs> I, I feel I feel like I owe it to Yakuza Zero because I'm one of those people who kept signing petitions and yelling about it for Sega to finally bring the game over and localize <laughs> it. I feel like I have to. I haven't even beaten Yakuza Five yet either because I have to play that on the PlayStation Three. Oh really? Yeah. Also, there's a new goddamn Kingdom Hearts as well. A new Kingdom Hearts huh. collection where they get the Jesus. DS one that I never played and what is basically the demo for Kingdom Hearts Three. <laughs> So yeah, lots of lots of games, lots of cool stuff going on. So hey, let's let's continue to do this podcast, which is my job, so I can make money to buy more video games. <laughs> so you can buy those games. <laughs> so we can buy those games. And speaking of video games, see, we weren't just bullshitting here. We actually have a really good lead-in to our first story of the week, and that is that Marvel and Square Enix are joining forces on a new video game endeavor or endeavors? Question mark. Yeah, um, so a bunch of companies 
uh, I think it was Crystal Dynamics, mm-hmm. uh, the, the guys who did the uh, the Tomb Raider games, the new Tomb Raider games, yeah. and um, Edios Montreal, I think. Oh, who yes, do, those guys. Who do the Deus Ex games and everything. They're creating Marvel games now, Holy quality shit. AAA Marvel games. It, it feels like it's about goddamn time, doesn't it? Because, I mean, yeah. Marvel, Marvel's got their TV, they've got their Netflix, they've, of course, got their movies and comics. How did it take them so long to eventually uh, get into the video game thing, like, seriously and legit? Yeah, because, like, the last couple of years... When was the last, like, like actual AAA Marvel game? Would, would you count those, Sp- those amazing Spider-Man games, I AAA? Mean, I mean, I guess, but Spider-Man, because it's kind of, like, owned by Fox, it's a little weird. Yeah, yeah, because they've only just been doing, like, those mobile games. Yeah, which, I mean, I guess it made a lot of money for them, and they're they're all cool for, like, a minute until you hit that paywall. Yeah, yeah, I, I played, um, what was that most recent one, Champions yeah, or that something? Was yeah, that, that was a lot of fun, but yeah, until you hit that paywall. The, that's the thing, they use, they use casino tech on you. It's like, hey, your first couple spins are free. Doesn't that feel good? Doesn't have the endorphins in your brain going real good, but you want to plunk down real money now? No, no, I don't. Yeah, so it's really good that they're starting to branch out into AAA games, and I think, yeah, it's a long time coming. It is. We got a little trailer... But the trailer, as with most of these like teaser trailers, gave you absolutely nothing. It was just like a lot of talk and a lot of like images that you know and recognize. Yeah, yeah. It, what was interesting though, it was all like I guess in-game, quote unquote, like cinematics or something mm-hmm. that they're making for the games. But um, I'm interested to see like what games they're going to make because it's it's all under an Avengers initiative banner or something. Yeah. I, uh, I would actually say what I want from this, but uh, I've already looked at the question some of our fans have asked, and that actually ties in to a question we're going to answer later. So let's, let's table this for a moment, Matt, Okay. and we'll come back to this one in a second. Uh, the next piece of news we have, and this one surprised me. In fact, I didn't write this down last week because I thought it was nothing worth talking about because it's just a thing. But uh, apparently... Fox has ordered an X-Men TV pilot, and apparently Brian Singer is already set to direct said pilot. Okay, so does that mean it's going to be connected to the movies? I mean, what's the point of making them if they're not? But then again, <laughs> why would you want to connect the TV show to the movies when you're in such a state of rebooting and don't know what the hell you're doing? Yeah, I, I have no idea what their end game is for 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 their x-men universe because every few years it feels like they're rebooting or like a new team takes over and the old team is made defunct or something and, i don't think yeah. they have an end game matt to answer the question i think they're just throwing everything at the wall right now and seeing what sticks yeah just just doing movies to keep the rights from marvel i guess it's weird too to see singer direct for tv it's like really i assume that's something a big director like him would not want to do or at least he would scoff at well, that's the thing. Like nowadays, you see lots of big directors heading for TV. It's true because uh, that's because that's like a because TV is becoming more like movies now with what you can get away with, uh, budget wise and whatnot. Yeah. And and like look at like HBO and Netflix and stuff. Like their TVs are basically movies. It's true. Yeah, yeah. It's it's not the same limiting environment that it used to be back in our parents' days. In fact, you know, it seems that TV shows are getting lauded now for pushing boundaries and doing shit that you couldn't do elsewhere. Yeah, totally. 
which I mean is definitely good. I suppose the other big hanging thing off the back of it is that it didn't say it was a mutant-related TV pilot. It actually said X-Men pilot. Mmm, interesting. Which has got to make you wonder, what the hell are they going for here? I mean, I know my pitch is obvious, and that is do, like, a live-action X-Men Evolution-type show, have it all be about young mutants actually there learning at the school, and have, like, an actual big X-Men team happening in the background, being like, oh, hey, where did so-and-so go? Oh, they were called away on a mission. Let's... Let's do that panty raid or the beer bongs or whatever the hell it is kids <laughs> do at the Xavier Mansion. Now, was was this the TV show that, I, I think it was last week or the week before that, that one of the producers or something confirmed that Sentinels would appear? I don't know. They have so many projects in the works right now, <laughs> it's hard to tell because there's that Legion show that's coming up, which I'm, I'm not going to lie. Legion doesn't look good to me. It does not look interesting to me. I'm I'm sorry. I just I just have no interest in Legion right now. There's that. There's the supposed Hellfire Club show that's coming out that we've heard nothing about in the last little bit. Yep. And then now we got this on top of it. And obviously Legion and Hellfire Club were going to be on other networks, but this one is solely for Fox. It's very strange. Yeah, it's really again, it's like their movies. They they're all like set in different continuities and not really connected but then you have producers saying they are and people saying they aren't and it's so weird they really they really need a like kevin feige don't they they really need yeah someone to step in and like kind of get all the ducks in a row for this shouldn't they yeah well they they have um they have that Simon Kingberg guy, but I know a lot of people don't like him, and I, I understand why and everything, and I think he does a lot better on the Star Wars-related stuff like Rebels and yeah, I was gonna stuff s- over there. Yeah, I was going to say Kingberg. I'm like, do- doesn't he have lots of other stuff he's doing, too? It's like X-Men isn't yeah. the only thing for him. <laughs> yeah. Which, fuck, that's got to be hard for anyone. Hey, you're in charge of both X-Men and Star Wars. Don't, don't fuck it up, or a whole legion of nerds will be very, very angry at you. <laughs> that's you know n- no pressure or nothing but but seriously though don't d- don't fuck it up or anything yeah it's gotta be it's gotta be rough i mean heck i i barely deal with the pressures of doing two shows in one night i'm coming apart <laughs> you yeah, can't imagine what multi-million dollar shows are like <laughs> yeah yeah if, if i fuck up you know a podcast or anything i'll just have people saying hey man joel you really you really fucked up what uh what do you got coming out next? But if this guy fucks up... <laughs> yeah, he's out of a job. <laughs> and maybe other people are out of a job, too. Let's just say it's friggin' high. It's a contact sport, man. <laughs> it's rough out there in the big business world. But, uh, yeah, I mean, X-Men show... What What would your pitch for an X-Men show be, Matt? What would you want to see them do? Um... I don't know. I, I I'd like like an like what you said like an X Men Evolution type show, uh, where we see what happens at the school when the main X Men team are off on a mission somewhere. Um, I wouldn't mind if they did, did one focusing on a certain character mm. or something. Yeah, uh, like they're the main character at the school. Like create a character that gets put into the school and we follow oh, them yeah. through the school. That's a good something touch, like that. Like a POV. Like you're the new kid. At Mutant High. I like that. I like that a lot, actually. Because that's the thing about X-Men. They're so goddamn many, and everyone invents their own anyway. Yeah, yeah, and you could just keep... And because it's tied with, like, the mutant gene doesn't come until you're this age or something, you could easily say, oh, this is a new mutant. I'm shocked that no one has pitched the idea, let's do 
X-Men v. like Harry Potter. Let's do X-Men by the way of Harry Potter. Yeah, I, I am really – especially like post-Harry Potter where that sh- where that like made billions of dollars. I'm surprised people haven't gone, we can do the exact same thing but with mutants. Let's follow a kid. He meets one friend who's a ginger and one who's a girl who's really smart. <laughs> and they got to defeat the evil X-Men who used to go to the school, don't you know? And they end up finding the secrets of the Xavier Mansion that they never wanted him to know. They find like – I don't know. They find his fucking porn stash or something. I don't know. Yeah, the, cha- the Chamber of Secrets is, uh, what's that helmet thing he uses? Cerebro. Oh, yeah, 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 exactly. The Chamber of Secrets is Cerebro. They stumble there they, when they're not supposed to. Yeah, they, they find, like, the base under the under the mansion, like, with the X-Jet and everything and, and, and all that get, sort of and stuff. And you get to write, like, a bunch of rules in it, too, like they do for Harry Potter. Like, like no first years in the danger room. And then they're like, oh, well, yeah. we gotta go there. Yeah, exactly. And it writes can- itself. It really does. It really does. And then you can have, like, the Draco Malfoy, like, evil kids or, like, the shit kids. Ooh, and the Malfoy can be Quentin Choir. <laughs> there you go. There you go. See, see, this shit fucking writes itself. Really, Fox, you gotta keep rebooting this every so... Look how easy yeah. this is. If we find this fucking idea on Variety.com next month or something, you owe us money. It's true. And it's happened before, Matt. We called Dominators. We called all sorts of stuff before it happened. If this turns out to be the show, I'm going to be very upset. (laughs) I'm going to be like, okay, what low-level intern watches our show and is passing off these ideas as his own? (laughs) Because that guy owes us some change or at least a muffin basket. I'll settle for a muffin basket. (laughs) <laughs> I love muffins. Hey, hey, speaking of muffins, I had cornbread tonight for the first time ever. Oh, yeah? It's not a big thing here in Canada. What shocked me about it is it's surprisingly sweet. It's very Yeah, we, much we like don't get it here. We don't get it here. No, no, I guess it, I, I guess if you, you know, you're one of the colonies who left under good terms, you don't get cornbread. <laughs> you, you have a revolution, you don't get any cornbread. Or you don't have a revolution, you don't get cornbread. <laughs> that's that's fine. We're over here with our HP sauces and our coffee crisps and our tasty cheeses and things you guys don't have. <laughs> that's what we need to do, man. In this day and age, we need to start trading this shit. You know, we got to think no borders and everything. A border is just an illusion, man. We got great stuff on the other side. We should be trading. <laughs> I'll just go to the border and just be like, hey, here's a bunch of coffee crisps. I'm just going to leave it here. I'm just going to turn my back. And you know what? If you want some, it's all good. <laughs> that's, that's the platform I'm going to be running on when I run for Prime Minister of Canada. More coffee crisps for everybody. <laughs> yeah, everyone coming into the country gets a bag of coffee crisps. There you go. Oh, that's what I'll do. I'll hang out at the airport. And you could do this because this is happening a lot. Just, you know, see someone, hey, it's your first time in Canada. Here's some poutine. Here's a Toronto Maple Leafs jersey. There you go. That's, uh, that's your entrance exam. You're a citizen now. <laughs> That's literally all it took. <laughs> and then he drove away on one of those hoverboards. It was weird. That that, that guy's the leader? That guy's the prime minister? Really? <laughs> Jeez, they'll give that job to anybody. But yeah, so that's the X-Men show. And honestly, I wasn't feeling it until we started talking about it. Now I'm like, I'll be disappointed if you don't make a good show out of this. Yeah, it's going to be very hard. You have to try to not make a good show, basically. Mm, which, I mean, hey, did we not say the same thing about Gotham? This is a great pitch. How did you fuck it up? 
Yeah. Well, that, that's the thing with like with like Gotham. They had a comic that was literally about Jim Gordon and the GCPD, mm-hmm. and they still managed to fuck it up. Yeah, it's true. Hey, you know what else I would pitch for a show, and I'm surprised this wasn't there alongside like you know hellfire club and legion and everything do a weapon x show you can do weapon x right before or right after wolverine yeah that that'd actually be pretty cool because there was always guys before and after wolverine make it the new guy who is the newest weapon in the in like the series of you know have all the doctors and everyone else and be like yeah you know we're the guys who made wolverine and then we got killed and destroyed and everything else and had to go underground. But now we're doing it again and you're our newest one. In fact, I don't know if people remember this, but uh, like right after Wolverine died in Death of Wolverine, they had they had a new Weapon X comic and it was about a team of mutants who were created in the lab and given new powers and everything. They had a dude who looked like Wolverine but wasn't Wolverine, Mr. Sharp. I, I think I remember that. That was a good pitch. That was very short-lived. But I yeah. thought that was a good pitch. And there was another guy there who, like, because it was kind of like the Suicide Squad where they kind of didn't trust each other because they were all sent to Weapon X for different reasons, a lot of the time because they were psycho killers anyway. There was one mm-hmm. guy who they gave powers to be super smart, and he was, like, really evil and a serial killer before he even got there. Oh, Jesus. Before they gave him powers, and, like, he was trying to help the team, but he was also trying to undermine them, too, for his own freedom. That's a show you have that team escape Weapon X, and then you literally have it be like the running man, like they need to get away from Weapon X, but they keep sending soldiers and like mutants of the week after them and everything. That's a show. So, prison break, but with mutant powers. Yes, yes. see, again, Matt, this is so easy. <laughs> we, we just pitched two great shows right now. <laughs> oh my god, Fox, come on. <laughs> and yet, here's the you wouldn't even need any Marvel characters. You wouldn't even need any of that other stuff because you have yeah. the rights to all of it. Yeah, and even if, like, ones that you don't, you just make characters up. You make mutants up. And people will accept it because there's, like, a gajillion mutants out there. They barely even scratch the surface on most of them most of the time. Yeah. And yeah. a Weapon X show and an Xavier Institute show, you could do on the cheap because you just need, like, one building. And it's, like, pick mutants who don't have big pyrotechnic powers. Pick guys who are, like, oh, I can run kind of fast or I can turn into a dog or I could psychically manipulate apples or some shit. <laughs> like, you don't have to aim high for a huge show. Like, aim aim low enough. Aim, give people powers that you know you can create in After Effects. Yeah, yeah, give people things that are definitely budgetary, cons- considered budgetary. Absolutely. And then for your season finale, because you've been saving money all season, then you turn it up to 11 and you give someone with crazy powers. Yeah. Yeah. Because as we've seen on shows like Flash and Legends and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., they can do much better on TV than they used to. Oh, yeah. There's definitely a uh, a market for better special effects now. I mean, and you know, too, because the same powers keep showing up. Fire, be it in Firestorm or Ghost Rider. Metal Skin, be it in Colossus or, like, Brick or, like, no, no, Girder from the first season of Flash and then Citizen Steel later. Yeah, yeah. So, like, they can do this on a budget, and they can do this pretty well. So, again, you're crazy if you're not trying it. Yeah, definitely. 
So there, in the course of this story, I am now totally on board for an X-Men pilot where before I was. And here's, here's hoping Singer doesn't Singer it up too much. But then again, here's another thing. If you tell a show about students and you tell a story about, uh, like, Weapon X members on the run, you don't need to give them costumes. No, you don't. They can just be people, so you don't even have to worry about that. And fans will accept it because we're used to stories like that. And then you can always dangle that carrot of being like, oh, well, you know, in season two they'll get costumes or something. Yeah, because they stop being on the run or something. They become exactly. a team. Exactly. Or, you know, when you graduate, when, when you're a year two at the X Academy, you get a costume. <laughs> or, or no, here, here's the thing. You get, you get like, those yellow jumpsuits that they had in first class. You get one of them. That's to show that you're a year two. And then in year three, you get a costume. You, you upgrade to the leather. Exactly. You get the, oh my god, that's so cool, because then you just run the gambit of costumes they have lying around at Fox. Well, well that's the thing. Like The costumes become uh, like the Fordman jackets. Yes. Yes, that's exactly what it is. Oh my god, this is so good. This show writes, <laughs> oh my god, this is so fucking good. Oh, Matt, if they don't make this show, like if the X-Men show happens and it's nothing like this, you and I need to make like our own parody thing, like the Schmecks Men, and that's literally all it will be. <laughs> we just need a building and some people with powers, and that'll be it. It'll just be like a shameless asylum ripoff is what it'll be. Yeah, they go to Charlie X's school <laughs> for gifted kids. <laughs> and Charlie X is a rapper. Yeah, I know I used to rap for a bit, but then I got shot in a rap feud. That's why I'm in this chair now. But I wanted to help gifted youngsters because I'm so smart. I use my telepathic ability in battle rap competitions. <laughs> That's what I did. Also, I, I think we have to agree that the title for this episode needs to be X-Men v. Harry Potter. That that needs to be the title for this episode. <laughs> yep. Okay, so moving on from that admittedly really awesome topic. I didn't think we'd be able to get as much time out of that one as we did. To another piece of news, apparently Marvel is releasing a new book. It's completely free. It's coming out very soon. It's called Marvel Reading Orders. And guess what that does, Matt? Uh, it retells Civil War Two, but good. <laughs> <laughs> no, that would be good. That would be pretty good. Although we kind of got that in the oath this week, didn't we? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> we kind of did that. Hey, everyone, if you skipped the oath because it was a Civil War II tie-in, uh, seriously, you need to go read it because it basically sets up Secret Empire and everything that's going to be happening in Marvel for the next year. Maybe next four years, depending on who you talk to. Yeah. <laughs> so if I can check that shit out. But yeah, Marvel Reading Order, essentially, essentially it takes work away from Matt and myself because it answers the questions that Matt and I get all the time, and that is, well, where do I start reading with this? Do I start with All New, All Different? Do I start with Marvel Now? Do I start with Marvel Now 2.0? I don't know. Marvel has put out a bunch of new number ones in the span of three years. Yeah, and and it helps us as well because sometimes we don't even know. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Like I'll have to dig to find. I like, know. Did this run happen before? Did this run happen after? Wait, but but Uncanny started here, but there was another Uncanny Avengers, but that was only like five issues, <laughs> and then the next one. <laughs> it is kind of hard. Matt and I do this shit professionally, and even we kind of have it hard. At first, at first, I was kind of mad when I read this. When I read the headline to this, where I'm like, oh my god, Marvel's actually going to start charging people to know the reading orders, but then I found out they're actually giving it away for free. 
Yeah, that's it's good that they're giving it away for free. It is good. You know, there's actually a website online I'm quite a fan of. Shout out to these guys. It's literally called readingorders.com. And it has all the big stories like, hey, I want to read Brubaker's Captain America. Well, here's the reading order. I want to read Green Lantern. I needed it for Green Lantern, the Jeff Johns era. It's like, okay, starts here. This is where it breaks off into Core and Red Lanterns and everything else. Yeah, yeah, that, that stuff gets really complicated. Here's where it comes back together in Brightest Day and New 52 and where it breaks off again into a million other books. And it has a timeline of the books, which is amazing. Yeah, oh yeah, a lot of work goes into it. It does, it's a wonderful site, and here's the thing, if this Marvel release order thing comes out, it better be as good as that website. It really <laughs> better be. And granted, the website that I'm talking about doesn't have everything, it has a lot of the big ones, it has the ones that people ask about all the time, but yeah, here, here's hoping it's good, because I know a lot of people need this. It's not a terrible idea, especially the way Marvel has put out books in the last little bit. Friggin' Squirrel Girl had two number ones in one year. Yeah, yeah. Howard the Duck even made fun of it, being like, oh, really, we're doing this again? <laughs> I mean, I know all the comic companies do it, but Marvel has been really bad about it in the last couple of years. Yeah, they, they at least with like something like DC Rebirth, they put out like at the end of every book that like checklist sort mm. of thing and what you should read for what certain books and everything. But yeah, Marvel haven't done that for... A long time. It got really confusing in Marvel Now 2.0 or post-Civil War 2, whatever you want to call it, because some books went back to number one, but others didn't. Yep. So Daredevil got to keep going, Thunderbolts and Captain America get to keep going and everything, because, you know, those were the books people were buying or were at least important enough that they wanted to, you know, placate the writers and everything who were doing them. But other books just go back to number one. Yep. For no reason. I, well, I mean, not for no reason. It's obvious why they did it, because they wanted to drum up new readership, and we're hoping that, you know, a number one is more enticing to someone of a book that's not doing so hot than, like, a number 15 is for a book that's not doing so hot. And in a way, it's true, because, like, you look at, like, like for, for both of us, if we do, like, a number one review, it always gets more hits always. than, say, a number 20 Mm -hmm. In fact, like I'll, I'll like, hey, give, give you all a peek behind the curtain here. I'll talk about number ones for books I have no intention of keeping up with, just because I know I'll do good that month and be able to eat. <laughs> like, here's the thing: Bullseye number one is coming out, and I don't think a lot of people will stick around for a Bullseye book, even though I'm totally gonna read it. I'm debating: do I do that anyway, knowing full well I'm not gonna do it? Or do I do a series that I know I'm going to keep up with and will do better overall? Do I sacrifice, you know, short-term hits for, like, long-term monetary gain? It is a slippery slope. <laughs> it is a slippery slope, and it's rough. And, God, again, Matt, there's, there's too many comics. DC just doesn't stop. Their schedule is too good. <laughs> it's really too good. I, I, like, Titans just went up. I got Thanos sitting here, and Daredevil is awesome again. I haven't even read Infamous Iron Man yet or Wonder Woman from this week. Uh... It's rough, man, I tell you. But, uh, yeah, so that's the Marvel uh, release guide for reading orders, which, hey, could be cool. Yeah, could be. I imagine some people need this much more than we do, and at least if ever I get a question, I can just point people towards this one, be like, dat, read dat. <laughs> All the information is in da dare, is what I would say, because I had a stroke a while back. <laughs> but yeah, from uh, reading orders to Marvel TV, it's a really Marvel-centric week. DC didn't do much this week. 
But uh, the RZA of the Wu-Tang Clan fame will be directing an episode of the upcoming Iron Fist show, which comes out incredibly soon in March. Yeah, that's actually pretty interesting. I know the guys directed a uh, a couple of movies, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it should definitely be something very interesting to see him direct a Iron Fist show. Was it? Wasn't he in that movie, The Man with the Iron Fist? Yes, <laughs> which is a very confusing title because you pick that up and being like, "Ooh, is this about Danny Rand?" No, it is not. <laughs> it's about his 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 ancestor. RZA. Uh, the RZA. The RZA, the of the ghost face killer. Man, to think the Marvel Universe has such rap cred across the board from Luke Cage literally getting his own rap anthem to now the RZA, who is a well-known lover of anime and kung fu films and everything else, getting to do this now. Yeah, has me excited for the for the episode as well because it might be like those like old kung fu movies that oh, he likes and everything. Like Enter the Chambers, you know, something <laughs> like that. Because again, for those who don't know you Wu Tang out there, they take a lot of reference from old Shaw Brothers kung fu movies. I mean, come on, listen to their name, the Wu Tang Clan. Yeah. It's it's right there. It's right there in the name because I mean, let's face it, Iron Fist much like the Wu-Tang, ain't nothing to fuck with. And indeed, the Marvel Universe, much like Wu-Tang, is for the children. Yep. I love that they say that. (laughs) You know, they got the old dirty bastard. They talk about hitting it raw. And meanwhile, they also turn around and say, but Wu-Tang is for the children, though. (laughs) I love to say that about this show, too. The comic multiverse is also for the children. Yes, we do it for the children. We do it for the children out there who really shouldn't be listening to us, but we love you anyway. <laughs> Kids, we love you so much. Tell you what, you go, you go to your mama's purse, you pull out five, ten dollars, and you send that to us is what you do. <laughs> oh, man, that's what we need, Matt. We just need one good, like, controversy under our name. We need, like, a kid to, like, steal a cop car and do something horrible. And when, like, the teachers and principals and everything ask them, why did you do it, little Billy? They'll be like, I learned it listening to the Comic Multiverse podcast. <laughs> and our then, hits would be great. <laughs> then we'd be infamous is what we would need. Forget going viral. We would go toxic is what we would go. that's all you need man you just need one good controversy to ride it forever all our favorite heroes at one time or another were you know claimed for corrupting young children's minds every great band that ever rocked was called satanic and a bad influence every great r-rated movie that's like ah that'll rot your brain you know that's what we want to be we strive to be those guys yeah if you play us backwards on a record player you'll Get a, a recipe for a good hummus dip or something. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. Hey, did you hear if you listen to the comic multiverse backwards, you can hear the devil? <laughs> we're, not confer- we're, not, we're neither confirming nor denying we are putting satanic messages in our podcast if you listen to them backwards. You'll just have to hear that for yourself. <laughs> I actually watched a whole uh, video there on subliminal messages and playing records backwards and everything. Basically, people hear whatever they want to hear. It's like a Rorschach test. Yeah, it, it's yeah, it's all in your mind. And suggestion is really powerful too. Like people playing back Beatles records and being like, "I buried Paul." That's only because people were looking for that because there was that crazy theory that existed even back then that Paul McCartney had died and they replaced him with someone. Yeah, I love that theory. It's like, oh yeah, yeah, he totally died and they replaced him. And see if you, see if you look really close at the Abbey Road cover, you can see it. <laughs> 
It's nice to know weirdo crackpot theories existed even back then, but now because of the internet, all crackpot theories are like available at all times to anybody. And they, they have a forum to do it in. They, they have like YouTube and everything. So they can make all these YouTube videos about how lizard people mm-hmm. run run WWE and whatnot. And <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. And like these channels are popular too, these conspiracy yeah. theory channels. Like they're super huge. And I'm like, man, I've been doing it all wrong talking about comics. I need to pick a crazy theory and run with it. <laughs> well, there you go. You do... Co- like conspiracy theories pertaining to comics so like i think dan didio is a he's lizard person from mars yeah he's, he's, <laughs> he's some, part, something like that he's part of the illuminati and you know they're they're putting coded messages man in all of the, in all of the comic books if you check out superman number 644 if you look down in the corner you can clearly see the letters that are written out and again and it's so vague and it's so out there my favorite ones is that like uh like the other night i was listening to some george carlin because it was fitting you know what's uh, going on in the world to listen to a man who was always so ahead of his time and who basically called everything that's happening in the world right now years before it happened like Mm -hmm. uh like in the background under those videos there was a there was a thing there where it's like freethetruth.com was like the channel's name. I'm paraphrasing. That's not really the channel's name. But it was the theory of like how, how George Carlin was murdered by his Jewish masters. And I'm like, whoa, what? <laughs> I, 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 I am not ready to listen to this crazy conspiracy theory. And, you know, there's other ones there where it's like, you know, is Beyonce and Jay-Z and the Illuminati? Then why are they throwing up the symbol everywhere? <laughs> <laughs> or or Jack Black secretly part of a Satan CIA experiment? Yes. Ah, <laughs> uh, that'd be great. <laughs> I'm making some of these up, but not really. Oh yeah, there's probably someone that's like like if they heard that they'd be like, you know what? I I think that might be real. <laughs> Man, you know, back in the day when you had a conspiracy theory, you either had to yell it on the street corner or the bus until they asked you to leave. But again, now because of the internet, everyone is brought together by conspiracy theories. Yep. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that's that's the RZA directing an episode of uh, Iron Fist. Definitely be sure to look back on both my channel and Matt's. We'll be talking more about that as it happens. In fact, we'll probably have to dedicate a whole episode of Cape TV to talk about that, we were saying. Totally, totally. Yeah, I'll be good. I have I have high hopes for Iron Fist, man. I really do. Yeah, same. It's also kind of like that Captain America First Avenger thing where it's like, man, this is they just got to do this one now. And then we'll, yeah. <laughs> we'll have the whole team. But so, yeah, that more or less does it for all the news this week. There wasn't a hell of a lot that happened. It was kind of a light week. I'm amazed we were able to squeeze all the time out of it that we did. But uh, from there... Instead of talking about what we read this week, we're instead going to turn things over because I need the extra time to beat this crunch. We're going to take some uh, questions and comments from the comic multiverse universe out there. And first up, we have Zero Heroic asking, if it were up to you guys, how would you handle your own version of the DC Cinematic Universe? Love your stuff. You're great. Ah, thank you, Zero. I'll I'll let Matt go first on this one because I think you've written extensively on the topic, actually. I have. I'm just going to do a shameless plug. If you go over to my channel, I actually have a series called Fixing the DCEU. Um, I'm on my my second phase, quote-unquote, at the moment. Um, but I've already done my fir- like first phase and with, I think I did five or six movies in that. Mm. Um, just explaining how I would do a Wonder Woman movie, a su- Superman movie, and all that, and who I would get to write and direct them as well. Yeah. I, uh, if it was up to me, 
and I know this is impossible now because they never would, I would go back and redo Superman because I think if you can't make a Superman movie that makes everybody happy, then of course you're not going to be able to build a universe that makes everyone happy because you're literally building your house on sand. Yep, pretty much. And I mean, there's so many good Superman origin stories to draw from. Like, that's the thing. Do do a book that exists is the thing. Don't pick and choose. Well, you can pick and choose a little, but take a framework from a book that exists. Like, there's so many great Superman origin stories, right? Like a Superman for every season, right? That's a great one. Yeah, Superman Secret Origin by Jeff Johns. That's amazing. Excellent one. Uh, Superman Earth One, even. Like, dude, that, that whole book was like a pilot for a movie. It was like a spec script. It, it pretty much was, yeah. It was a spec script. I would also say even something like, even like Superman American Alien, I think you could turn yeah. into an amazing movie because literally every segment in that movie takes like a different theme and idea from a movie. Like the first couple minutes of it is like a Steven Spielberg-esque coming-of-age story. And then like the second story is like Fargo and so on and so forth. Yeah, yeah, definitely. There's so many different ones. I It just boggles my mind that they went the route they did. It's true. It's true. They They both over and underthought it in a really, really uncool way. Yeah, the th- the thing I did, and, and it actually made a lot of people angry, is that I'm now in Phase 2, and I still haven't done a Batman film uh-huh. in my DC cinematic. Because, like, really, what's Batman going to do? Because in, in my first Justice League film, which would have been the same type as how the Avengers was, had the heroes built up, and then a, a Justice League film, in that film they fought General Zod and Kryptonian. So, like, what the fuck's he going to do against them? <laughs> Uh, another pitch I had, and I had this one a long time ago, but I stand by this one. Do them as interesting period pieces. Like, actually have modern-day stories, but set them in the time the comics were written. So, like, have superheroes come about as a response to World War II and everything. Like, have Superman crash sometime after the end of that and have Batman show up after that and, you know, really, really go stylistic and interesting with it and have it in an age before cell phones and satellites so you don't really have to ask so many questions and where super-powered individuals really stand out as super. Yeah, I, I think, like, a like a 30s or 40s, 50s Superman film would be really cool, especially with, like, all the other characters as well, or Batman and everything. Mm-hmm, exactly. That'd be really cool. You you cut through so much of the cynicism if you do it that way. Be like, yeah, it's a period piece. And that way you can keep a bunch of the origins and everything, too. Like, Steve Trevor crashes on the Amazon island because he was a World War II pilot. Hal Jordan was, like, a, world, was he a guy flying experimental planes post the war and everything. Yeah, exactly. Like, their, their origins still now are, like, very much like those old ones as well. So they, they fit perfectly. And be like, yeah, when we were fighting Nazis, we found Atlantis and shit like that. Yeah, exactly. And have it be how it changed the world and everyone being like, no, we need heroes now more than ever because, you know, villains are getting more and more insidious and we've seen the depths of human evil and everything because of the Holocaust. And, you know, a new type of person rises up, be they from the stars or from the streets and everything. And, you know, that's that that's how I would do it. And again, they'll never do it because that's too weird and it's too high concept. And everyone would be like, well, why isn't Batman running around today, though? 
Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, you'd get those sorts of things. But, like, it could be so good. It could be. You know, and it, I, it would make a lot of people happy as well. It would be. I think I think it could. It would be a cool direction that they'll never take, but that would be my take with it. And I'm sure, too, some people would complain, and they're not totally wrong, where they're like, well, aren't you admitting then that your heroes are old-fashioned and everything if you have to bench them at another time? And I'm like, I would say some things are timeless, but okay. Yeah, yeah, totally. Then, too, I guess instead of building up to the Justice League, they'd have to be the Justice League of America or the Justice Society of America if I'm doing it in that time frame. Yeah, yeah, well, you just do, like, um, Justice League New Frontier sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. I would be drawn, like, inspiration from that. Okay, so moving on from there, we have Tom Wyatt, and this is a question specifically for you, Matt. Who is your favorite Aussie superhero? Please say it's Captain Koala. Please say a Captain oh, Koala exists. Um, probably. I don't know. I, I don't really pay attention to Australian superheroes. Um, I guess. Oh, I, I don't really know. I guess. Um, who's that guy? He, he he's an Avenger. Um, I was gonna say yeah. Are, are, who who are even some comic characters in general who are Australian? I'm trying to remember who that um Avenger was. He was in Avengers World, and he can create like portals and stuff. Oh, I yeah. think he might have been an Inhuman. Um, you know the one I'm talking about, yeah, right? I do. Yeah, I can see him in my mind. Also, didn't Superman yeah. kill an Australian superhero in like the beginning of Injustice? I was just thinking that, and I'm thinking he's not really my favorite because he was on on the page for like two two issues. <laughs> but what? A, <laughs> but what are two pages though to get fucking murdered? <laughs> oh, he didn't get murdered. He t- got turned into a quadriplegic. <laughs> oh no! And he was a speedster too, so that's rough for him. Yeah. Um, I know that there are like Australian, like indie Australian superheroes, but I don't know a lot about them. You should, uh, you um, should say, uh, what is it, Pyro in all of those things where he's weirdly Australian. Yeah, well, that time when when Wolverine was Australian. Yes, it, there you go. <laughs> That's your answer, Australian Wolverine. They should totally split the difference between those characters and be like, yeah, there was a guy running around in Australia dressed up as Wolverine for years, but no one ever knew. He was a totally different well, guy. Well, they, they, there's, there's what happened to Mr. Sharp. He became Australian Wolverine. Oh, my God. And that's, you make that a reference. Have him be the Wolverine stand-in and have him be an Australian guy. <laughs> this show gets better and better, doesn't it? It does. <laughs> uh, so Shadow Litton, moving on from there, asks us, besides, obviously, Green Arrow and Superman, who are some of your guys' favorite heroes? Um, That's kind of hard. It... How, how are we going to do this? Um, uh, I like all sorts of heroes. I think Nightwing is yeah. really cool. I love the idea that he was a Batman sidekick, but he struck out on his own and became his own man. I love Booster Gold because he's hilarious. Yeah, he's cool. I, I like Hal Jordan's Green Lantern. Oh, yeah, yeah, he's really good. I like The Thing because he's super funny and he's having a great run currently in uh, some backup stories. Yeah, and in, in Infamous Iron Man, he's pretty cool. He's really good in that. Uh, uh, I love a bunch of the guys from the Thunderbolts and everything, because, you know, they're kind of morally compromised heroes and everything. They're fun. Yeah, they're pretty cool. Um, I don't really know, eh? It's, it's kind of hard to have another favorite hero. It's true. Like, I think my favorite hero, because, again, comics change so much, a favorite hero for me is just the one I keep coming back to over and over again. I mean, obviously, I love the Punisher, even though, mm-hmm, yeah. even though his runs are kind of all over the place, because it's like you know, sometimes when you say I love you love a character, what you're really saying is is you love a certain run or a certain moment in time. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't like like that character. You like the character done by this ca- this writer or something. Yeah, exactly. It's funny. I even had to think to myself, like, let me let me look at what I uh, reviewed this week. I mean, obviously, I like the Teen Titans. They're a really cool team. I love everyone on the Champions right now. I love this new generation of young hit Marvel yeah. hero who has come out and everything. Uh, I love Captain America now more than I've ever loved Captain America because they're telling one of the strangest, most out there stories with him currently. Yeah, I got to get back in that book because it, it just sounds amazing, and I, I want to prep myself for Secret Empire as well. You got about ten issues to catch up on, and the Oath, and that's about it. Oh, okay, then cool. It's really easy to catch up on, and if you want, if you want to read the full or the full breadth of the story, I would say also read the Sam Wilson book because they actually predict a lot of shit in that. Oh, I like Sam Wilson too. Again, I like Sam Wilson yeah. now. More than I ever did once he became Captain America. I think he kind of kicks a lot of ass. Uh, Thor, same deal. Both yeah. versions of Thor. Thanks to this Jason Aaron run, he made a Thor fan out of me now. Yeah, and like this, the, just this new run of Star Lord. That's only two issues in, and I'm I'm loving the Peter Quill character. Yeah, the power that a good run has, it can totally change your mind, and it can totally like change like everything. Oh yeah, totally. Totally, totally. Uh, okay, moving on from there. I don't know why my computer's so freaking slow and draggy and everything tonight. I, uh, I, I had to bring up my videos to see what I was talking about, and then I had to change some other stuff. Um, Austin Cole asks, besides the Mighty Morphin era of Power Rangers, what was your favorite generation of Power Rangers? Now, Matt, we've watched, watched a lot of Power Rangers stuff together, haven't we? We have, we have. What, uh, what, what would you say for this? Because I think I've answered this question elsewhere. Uh, it, it's hard because Mario Morphin was the one that I grew up with. Yeah. Um, but I, I do like um, Lightspeed Rescue. Mm, I like them. That was a fun one. Uh, so is um, uh, Galaxy. Oh, yeah. Ga- Both the in space ones were really, really good yeah. back when Power Rangers was sipping a lot of the Star Trek Kool Aid, right? Yeah, yeah, where they were, they were literally. Uh, you know, um, the Federation, basically. Yeah, they were the goddamn Federation, and I thought that was so cool. Uh, I mean, obviously, a lot of people say Time Force. Time Force starts slow, but gets really interesting by the end with yeah. the stuff they do. I, I have often defended Wild Force. I think Wild Force is actually really strong. I think it, it gets derided and maybe not for, you know, completely wrong reasons because it was very smack dab in the controversial Disney era of the show, but I thought Wild Force had some of the best villains the show has ever done and some of the best arcs for the Rangers across seasons. Yep. That's uh, that's what I dug about that one. I feel like there's a bunch of missing... Uh, oh, uh... Friggin' Dino Charge. I only watched a little of Dino Charge, but what I watched of it seemed pretty cool. Is that the new one? Uh, new one is Ninja Steel that started just recently. Oh, okay. I can't keep track of, like, when the new shows start, because it's, like, every other year that there's, like, a new Power Rangers show. It's true, although now they're doing the two seasons now. Like, every Power Rangers gets two seasons. That way they can eat up the Sentai footage of two shows. Yeah, don't they do like the like um they had Megaforce and then they had Super Megaforce mm-hmm. and they they're doing that now with these shows. Yeah, every second season is super. Yeah. Uh here's a fun one from John Combs. What are your most anticipated non-comic book movies of the year? This is rough cuz it feels like because of my job <laughs> I only pay attention to comic book movies now. Um well, yeah, well I'm um, I'm seeing a lot of movies this weekend. Um Yeah, it, it's just 
so many good ones coming out. I'm really looking forward to Kong Skull Island. Uh, I I like a good kaiju movie. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about that one, but the trailers definitely made it look cool. Yeah, and in a couple of weeks, I think we have John Wick 2 coming out. Oh, yeah, that should be good. Speaking speaking of apes, uh, I'm really excited for that new Planet of the Apes movie. That one looks fucking dope. And the last two were dope. Yeah, those last two movies are great. What a what a great science fiction series! Uh, oh, yeah. I feel I feel like there's a bunch I'm missing. <laughs> as funny as it is, I actually kind of want to see that new Beauty and the Beast movie. Actually, that live action one. I'll wait for it to come out on DVD or something. Like not, shit, I, not in I, any hurry. <laughs> I didn't think I'd like that Jungle Book one as much as I did, and I'm like, wow, you made it live action. You changed the story just enough, and you kept all the good songs. So there you go. Yeah, that, that Jungle Book one was actually really cool. I'm really surprised as well because that actually just appeared on Netflix. And I just realized like how new it is as well. Yeah, I mean, it does a lot of good shit right. And I'm hoping uh, the Beauty and the Beast one will do similar stuff. Oh, I feel like there's a there's some stuff I'm missing here. Yeah, oh, I yeah, think... there, there totally is. This 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 year in movies alone is, is going to be big. Yeah, I mean, I think I think we definitely set all the big ones that come to mind. I think that was a nice little cross section. We got you know, we got your action, we got your science fiction, we got your live action Disney's. Got a whole lot of stuff going on. Yeah. Uh, now, K. E. Taylor wants to know what comics do you guys think would actually make for interesting anime? And it's funny because they've done this before. There was a whole line of Marvel animes, Blade and Wolverine and X Men. I yeah. don't think any of them were very good. No, none of them were very good, and they did a bunch of like um, uh, animated anime movies as well. They did like a Punisher, oh, yeah. Black Widow one, a bunch that, of Iron Man ones. That was more the art style, and I did not think they meshed. No, no, they didn't. I did not think they meshed very much at all. I thought they were very disappointing. Maybe they picked the wrong characters for it. You know, maybe maybe they should make like a super young team movie because that's actually in Japan, or maybe they should make like a Big Hero 6 anime, because it's obviously very inspired by that sort of thing. Yeah, well, like, just talking in comics in general, I think the first run of Batgirl and the DC Rebirth would do very well, since it's it's very anime-inspired, I guess, like, with her yeah. entering, like a, like, a kung fu tournament sort of thing that sort of is like, you know, Dragon Ball Z and sort of stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah, she's traveling around to not just japan but all sorts of asian nations yeah that would probably be pretty stellar yeah yeah that would be that would fit well i I think that's the problem is they've picked kind of the wrong ones they picked like you know well what would make good action scenes well obviously blade and wolverine would make for good action scenes maybe maybe pick something that would tell a better story or something yeah i could see why they picked wolverine because of obviously his japanese roots and everything but um they i don't think they really touched on that in the show (laughs) No, no, again, I barely remember that one. They actually aired that on freaking G4 Tech TV back in the day. Yeah, that, that's how old they are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was a thing. That was a thing before. That was a channel that existed. Uh, from animated video games, Coleman Cottenham wants to know, what's your dream superhero video game? And I think you and I have talked about this before, Matt, and I think this ties in quite nicely to the Square Enix Marvel news from earlier on in the show. Yeah, yeah, um... Video games with superheroes are kind of hard. Oh, yeah. They, they, you can get really good ones with, like, Batman because he doesn't have any powers yeah. or anything. He's just a guy who hits really hard and has a bunch of gadgets, so it's kind of 
already like a video game whereas if you do a video game on someone like superman you've got to go through the whole thing of oh you start out without powers and you've got to pick them up like power up sort of thing but um yeah that doesn't even uh, you know bring in teams how complicated it is to make a team thing i mean obviously yeah. you had your x-men legends and your ultimate avengers and everything which did a pretty solid job of letting you play a team of characters simultaneously i would personally like to see uh, more superhero video games take the Borderlands approach. Imagine a like big cooperative first-person superhero game where instead of classes, you have Captain America as the soldier and Hulk as the tank, and so on and so forth. Well, that's like what that um that Avengers video game that got cancelled just before the first Avengers film yeah. came out was going to be like, and may- maybe like Square Enix will resurrect that or something. It's a good concept. It is, and that game, uh, before it got cancelled, was probably about 70% complete, so, like, the work is there, they just need to finish it, polish it up and everything, and they've probably got an award-winning game on their hands. And there's a bunch of teams you could do that with. Do that with the Suicide Squad. Isn't there a game like that coming out? It's like a shitty or is it like game. A... Yeah, uh, okay. <laughs> do, do, it, do that, but do it good. Yeah, I, I pitched in... Um, in my video game section on my Superman and Media series, uh, a Superman game where you do a tutorial, but the tutorial is you living in Smallville and learning oh, how to like use that. your powers and everything before transitioning into the actual game where you have all your powers and everything and a Superman. How have we never had an open-world Grand Theft Auto-style Punisher game? Oh, that'd be it. Like, yeah, you just get Rockstar to make mm-hmm. Punisher a character in... Los Santos, but just call it Los Angeles yeah. or something. <laughs> shit, man. Freaking Violition, who makes the Saints Row games, made that cult Punisher game. Why don't they yeah. just take the freaking Saints Row engine and do Punisher with it? Oh, that'd be amazing. Just do it. Just fucking do it. It would be so easy. And instead of getting, like, stars because the cops are after you, you get, like, Punisher skulls where all the gangs are after you and trying to kill you now. Yeah, yeah, that'd be really cool. And you can stop street crime for experience points, which you can, you know, cash in to make Punisher better and get better guns and stuff. Yeah. It seems so easy. I really thought of this when I was playing Mafia 3, because so much of the hook of that game is dismantling a criminal empire, and I'm like, this should be Frank Castle doing this. It would be so great. It's like, hey, follow the bagman, kill all the drug dealers, steal the drug money, wash, rinse, repeat. Yeah, well, like the main character in... in- in um mafia 3 his his sort of origin is kind of similar to frank castle's you know he well his family basically die and he's He's, left for dead he's a vietnam vet who has his family murdered before his eyes and who swears vengeance on the mob and all crime yeah he's literally just frank castle except that time when frank castle was african-american and it made people really angry yeah that happened it's true everyone that's a real story punisher tried to go undercover so he turned himself into a black man (laughs) <laughs> he also there's also a bit there where it's like oh and frank drank acid too so his voice would be deeper yeah. and i'm like wow i find the acid thing more offensive than the skin thing <laughs> what does that say about me but yeah there are so many great ways that they could do a cool superhero game but for some reason they just they they they, they don't seem to latch on to the right idea oh oh here's the one i pitched forever far cry but with green arrow they they m- billion dollars. He fights away. with a bow. Make it all about him stealthing through the city streets, knocking out dudes, and then arrowing them. 
and be it well, like, that... you know, he'll never pick up a gun, so you'll never really, you know, be at an advantage in the thing, but because you're such a good superhero, that's what you do. And you give him all was... sorts of trick arrows. Yeah, and, and like, with, with Farquhar as well, you could also set part of it on the island he escaped from. That's your tutorial, man. You wash up on the island. You gotta build yourself a bow. You gotta fight the heroin dealers to get off the island. There you go. That's the first fucking... Ch- Again, w- why has no one pitched this idea? Ubisoft, are you afraid of making a bunch of money? <laughs> yeah, well, how can we put microtransactions in it? Yeah, you play. You gotta get the you play. Well, they're French <laughs> Ubisoft. They, you play. You must get the you play. Yes, yes, you like? No, Ubi, I don't like. No, oh, that's the thing. Like, the, the, the island mission will be DLC. Oh, God, yeah. The best one is DLC. I mean, yeah, but only DLC you can only get from GameStop on this particular day or something. <laughs> and, and again, too, talking about Ubisoft and everything, the bow in Assassin's Creed 3 was amazing. The crawling around the city was amazing. Make that Star City and instead of boring Connor, make it friggin' Green Arrow. Yeah, and that's the thing. You've got, like, the whole free-running thing mm-hmm. through the city and, yeah. That's every hero does that. You even, there you, you go. You can even reuse the grappling hook tech from Assassin's Creed Syndicate to where he throws <laughs> it from one end of the building to the other, then he uses his bow and arrow to slide across it. Yeah, all, all you'd need to do is just reskin the assassins in Assassin's Creed Pretty in much. green. In green, and that's it. <laughs> yeah, that's like the job done. That'd be the easiest thing. I'm amazed no one has modded that yet. I'm, I'm, surpri- I'm surprised no one has, yeah. I, I, I imagine they will. Speaking of which, Jonah Hex video game. Just take the best parts of Gun and Red Dead Redemption and put Jonah in it. Yeah, there you go. Do it full-on weird western, like by the end he's fighting giant robot spiders. (laughs) Only with Jonah Hex you accept it. Yeah, you understand it. Yeah, uh, Even he thinks it's a little crazy. Yeah, Jonah's like, there's some bullshit. Spits, grabs crotch, proceeds (laughs) to murder things. Uh, speaking of Green Arrow, and we absolutely were, Jason Horn asks, what do you think about the cancelled Green Arrow film, and what would you have wanted to see out of it? I assume he's talking about Supermax, the supposed Green Arrow film that was in development right up until Arrow did really good. Yeah, um, or considering it was written by David Goyer, and what we've seen of David Goyer so far, yeah. I'm kind of glad it didn't get made. Uh, I mean, it would have fit his style. No costumes, because they're all in jail, would have been yeah. one thing. It would have been nice to see, like, a whole prison full of, like, D&C list villains. You could really have some fun with that. Oh, yeah, totally. Totally. You could could really have some fun with it. I mean, the actual... The story they're kind of would be referencing is, like, Fall of Green Arrow, which was after, uh... After I... No, after Cry for Justice, when, uh, when he, uh, kills, uh, what's-his-face? Uh... Yeah. Whatchamacallit, when he kills, um, Prometheus... When he when he yeah. shoots Prometheus for the death of Roy Harper's daughter, that could have been an interesting story. Have a hero who was like, you know, I had a no kill rule until something really horrible happened, and then I snapped and I killed a villain, but I also turned myself in. Yeah, yeah, he he was, yeah, that that actually be pretty cool. I, I it it was a pretty cool storyline. Yeah. Um, but I don't know how they would have gone about execution. No, especially too if this is your first time meeting Green Arrow, I think that really wouldn't have resonated as hard with people. 
Yeah, it feels like maybe a second film. Yeah, exactly. Uh, moving on from there, good old pal Generation West, who has actually been on the show before, asks, uh, after Justice League Dark, what DC property you don't want to see them adapt next? It'd either be one that you just like that you don't want to see them tamper with. Because let's face it, the last couple ones they've done, from Killing Joke to Throne of Atlantis, you had good stories, but you tampered with them and made them not good. Yeah, well, the thing is, like, I I don't really have to worry about them adapting any of my favorite storylines because none of them involve Batman, so... Uh, And I was going to say, are are probably not part of the new 52 because they seem to be digging in their heels and saying everything needs to be at least some way related to the new 52. Yeah, they can't admit that that was kind of a failure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's so weird to see the animated universe still trapped in the New 52 era while the comics have moved so far ahead to great applause. Yeah, I'm surprised they just haven't just cut their loss and go, okay, we're just going to go back to just... We're not going to set it in a, in one of our universes. It's just going to be these characters. You know what it is? It's probably a money-saving thing. They're like, look, we said we were going to do shared universe and ran with the new 52 so we didn't have to redesign these characters every movie to save some money, even though they yeah. design characters anyway. Like, Slade is getting a redesign in Judas Contract, and so is Nightwing, so what the hell's the point? Yeah, exactly. I, I don't know what the hell's going on with there, but yeah. I, yeah, as I just said, I don't have to worry about it because Batman isn't involved in any of them, so they won't be made. I, I, honestly, I think they've already done my New 52 era stories and have kind of ruined them. They they did Court of Owls poorly. They did Throne of Atlantis poorly. I don't see them. Poor, poorly's that. an understatement for Throne of Atlantis. Yeah, like, God, that's a butchered the fuck out of it. That's a fucking heartbreaker, especially because it was one of the best ones that they had done. I mean, I'm trying to think of some other ones. Uh, Dark Side War was pretty long. I could see them turning that into something. Yeah, but it, it'll, it'll still be pretty unfaithful and <laughs> crappy. Do do Dark Side War, but have the promise at the end of it be once we're done Dark Side War, we'll start doing DC Rebirth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> have that be the promise. I really don't want to see Trinity War, because Trinity War was boring. They might Jeez. be able to do something with uh, Forever Evil. I could see them turning Forever Evil into a movie. Yeah, well, like if they did that, it could end up like the Crisis on Two Earths sort of thing. That 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 was a really good good movie, and they they haven't done something like that. I would like to recently, see one where the so, villains yeah. kind of take center stage, and also Batman is in that story, so they would probably you know feel okay doing it. Batman's in it, but he takes a back seat to everyone else. Yeah, that, that's why I think that they would want to do Dark Side War because Batman's a big part of that, and they they love jacking him off, and he becomes a god in that. So he literally, he literally becomes god. I'm trying to think what other ones they could do. What were what were the other good long story events that they could do? I mean, there was Forever Evil, obviously. I mean, uh, I guess they wouldn't do Death of the Family, although maybe they no. would. I don't know. Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, after they dropped the ball on Killing Joke, I just don't know. Well, what are some stories that that some big Harley Quinn stories? Because they'll do them, because she's she's big at the moment. I don't think she's had any big like crossovers, any big like marquee events or anything. She's been there and stuff, but her stuff has been like kind of more like uh, wacky, silly comedy. 
Yeah, that's true. Um, uh, I don't know. A, here's an older one that I actually think would make a good movie, and again, there'd be no Batman in it, so they probably won't make it. Salvation Run. I think you could actually make a really good, like, 120-minute movie out of Salvation Run. Do you remember what that one was about? Vaguely. It's where they round up all the supervillains and shoot them into space onto a planet where they all kind of duke it out Lord of the Fly style. Oh, awesome. And and all, like, the sensible villains go follow Lex Luthor, because Lex Luthor's like, hey, I'm a genius, I'll build us a machine, I'll get us back to Earth, no problem. And, like, all the chaotic evil villains go follow the Joker, because they're like, ha ha ha, we love to kill and maim, and just, you know, we're, we're fucking cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. <laughs> that would be actually really cool. It would be, and then, you know, you got B-plots in there about the rogues who are kind of freaking out right now because they think they killed the Flash on Earth, which I can't remember. If they, that was it's a long time ago. But yeah, they're freaking out because of that, and that's a B-plot. And then you got another C-plot of, like, Vandal Savage who just picks uh, the most beautiful super villainesses and says, okay, you're all coming with me now. We're going to go build our own society on the other side of the planet. <laughs> me, me and my wives, I'm going to live the Mormon dream right now. <laughs> <laughs> Because I'm Vandal Savage, and I'm a suave caveman, and that's what I do. <laughs> but yeah, so that's that, that's some directions for the next one. I, I'm interested in Judas Contract, because I like Justice League versus Teen Titans. In fact, it was probably the last one that I actually quite enjoyed. But even then, man, they've gotten hit and miss with these DC animated movies. Yeah, totally. They, it, it, it almost seems like... Like a weird commentary on on the New Fifty Two in general, how yeah. that was kind of hit and miss because like we had the Flashpoint paradox, which was like the last great one, mm-hmm, yeah. and then every everyone since then has been absolutely awful, and it's it's kind of like the New Fifty Two as well, like how we had the the Flashpoint. And everything before that was great, and then everything after that was kind of just, eh. Well, you know, you've had stuff like the Suicide Squad movie, which was good, but it actually wasn't in the shared continuity. It was in the Arkham yeah. video games continuity. You had uh, that Gods and Monsters, which, again, was out of continuity, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, so it's like the things that are outside of continuity are, are good, but things they try to put into the New 52 continuity yeah. aren't. I think I think it also comes down to that it's like the same team working on all these movies and they're turning out like two a year. That's a lot in terms of animation. I think they're getting overworked, honestly. I think they need to take a break. Yeah, well, there's no break in the animation sweatshops. No, no, no. I imagine, you know, someone there cracking a whip. Mao, diddy, mao. <laughs> we got to crank out these Batman and his amazing friends stories. Yeah, totally. That's, that's pretty much what what Justice League Dark was. Yeah, yeah. Batman and his magic friends go to camp, pretty much. Yeah, and, and then Swamp Thing kind of appears, but oh, doesn't. That's depressing that Swamp Thing is on all the posters and in all the media and everything, and he's a glorified cameo. They turn him into the he, Hulk of this story. Pretty much. <laughs> Another thing that annoyed the hell out of me about that movie, and I mentioned this in my review... They really assume if you're watching this movie, you know who everyone is because they do not bother to tell you who any of these people are. They don't, and then they, for some inexplicable reason, give you, like, Jason Blood and and Etrigan's whole origin. Who has been explained and done way better in other versions. They do him great in Justice League action. They did him great in Justice League. And even in Batman, the animated series, when he showed up in that. Yeah, here they're like, ah, it was, it was night, and you become extra gang because the wizards. 
to keep him from dying. Boston Brand also gets an origin out of nowhere, but Zatanna doesn't get one. Constantine doesn't get one. They don't even explain the House of Mystery. They're just like, yeah, it's a magic house. I forgot as well, like, because I remembered it back in the trailers, but I forgot it here, that uh, Boston Brand's voice is absolutely horrible. Yeah, he sounds like a Looney Tunes cartoon. He does. Which, in fairness, I always read him as a Looney Tunes cartoon, so it didn't bother me as much, but I see where you're coming from. Well, it's really weird, especially because of, like, that recent book he's been in, that which is like a, a gothic romance. Yeah, yeah. So so you, you kind of get this picture of his voice. Is, he's maybe slightly British, like kind of high class, or like a kind of deep romantic voice sort of thing. Oh, not, not, not some like Not like some like New York or Boston accent or whatever <laughs> he's doing. But his name is Boston, Matt. <laughs> his parents looked at that baby when he was born and said, you know what, Boston. <laughs> Like them cream donuts we like. <laughs> but yeah, I thought Justice League Dark was pretty was pretty forgettable. It's it's crazy that they throw all these big concepts at you. Talking backwards magic, rune magic, green magic. Oh, we're not going to tell you how any of it works. No. I am happy, though, that Etrigan did rhyme. <laughs> yes, that was a nice touch. It's but he, he didn't rhyme in the original Justice League, but now every time you see him, he's rhyming all over the damn place. Yeah, they, they seem to remember he can do that. <laughs> yeah, that's one of the more interesting things, that he's this big, hulking murder brute, and yet he has this fun little sing-song rhyme that he does. <laughs> uh, I guess our last question here, because we're almost at time so far. Uh, our buddy Jose, longtime fan, asks us, if you could choose an indie book to become a movie, what would it be? Uh, I mean, really, the only indie book that I'm reading and loving the hell out of these days is uh, Southern Bastards, and that's apparently already been marked to become a TV show, but maybe it won't. I don't know. Yeah, it's really weird. It's the same with, like, I like um, some of the Mark Millar stuff, but <laughs> it's always funny. Whenever he gets a new book, I always am like, okay, so how long till after this book uh, comes out uh, is he going to announce that the movie deal's been in preparation for a couple of months how long oh it's the week after he's it's, doing the movie. it's happened with the last five like i'm pretty sure mark millar doesn't write comics anymore he just writes pictured pitches for movies yeah and like some of his stuff is like like i'd love to see as a movie like i'd like to see nemesis as a oh, movie yeah. oh yeah um chrononauts his most recent stuff yeah you love that, that. would have been amazing you loved that yeah, one. Oh, like they, they even look like the actors they even look like he already cast it in the book Oh yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, I would I would definitely say, you know, pretty much anything by Mark Millar either is already earmarked to be a movie or will become a movie at some point. Yep. And you know what? I, I also stand by this too, saying I think the movies that they make, especially the ones he makes with the oh, who, who's who's his collaborator? I always forget his name. Um, Matthew Vaughn. Matthew Vaughn. The ones he do with, does with Matthew Vaughn, I think they're better than the books they're based on a lot of the time. Yeah, they, they still they change the story obviously for the movies, but yeah, of some of the times they're a lot better. Like Kingsman, mm -hmm. I, I prefer Kick-Ass the movie to Kick-Ass the comic. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was actually. I think they found the humanity in a story that doesn't have much humanity because that's kind of Malar in a nutshell, right there. He seems like a very angry person. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, seems very, very angry, but hey, you know, it's it's all good. It's all good in the hood. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess that just about does it for questions this week. Thank you, everyone, for submitting those. Those were some really great questions. 
Yeah, they were great. They were great. We got to talk for a nice long time on that one. We'll be sure to try and the next time when the news cycle gets a little light, we'll be sure to try and uh, <clears throat> do this again. Because we know it's fun and we know you all like it and everything. But we like doing it. We get to feel like, you know, we're we're talking directly to you with those ones. So I suppose uh, we'll start winding this one down. I've got a lot of rendering and editing ahead of me. As always, if you want to hear this show before anyone else, you can do so by becoming a patron. I try and put this up as soon as possible. And in fact, you'll be getting a double shot of shows as soon as I'm done. You'll be getting this. You'll be getting Kate TV. So as always, thank you. For the people who do that, for everyone else, the show premieres uh, Wednesday, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, as always. And you can download the show, carry it around with you all the time, over at the Comic Multiverse Podbean. It's <sighs> <laughs> a lot to say. <laughs> I'm out of breath, man. I'm, I'm, I'm Riggs. I'm getting too old for this shit. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, Matt, what, what do you have coming out from your channel this week that people can be excited for? Uh, well, I'm doing more of my Resident Evil 7 playthrough. Um, nice. Also, coming up, I think maybe at the end of this week, I've still got to record it, so I don't know when I'm going to do it. Um, I've got a DC Rebirth guide coming out just ahead of uh, Superman Reborn and the Batman and Flash, the button mm. event that's going to be happening. So definitely keep an eye out for that. I'm hoping it, it'll like catch people up on what's been happening in DC Rebirth and everything. Mm, most deaf, most deaf. Uh, so yeah, I suppose with that, everyone, we can bring this show to a close. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, you can always follow Matt and myself on our respective Twitter pages. That's Kate, Joel, and Fortress of Solitude. Be sure to go subscribe to Matt if you haven't already. And yeah, I guess that'll basically do it for us this week. You know, I uh, hope you had as much fun listening to this one as we did recording it. We'll be back again next week to do this all over again. So thank you, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.